Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 346. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We have a lot to talk about in the world of Philly sports. We have a big announcement to make on tonight's show. And, of course, we're going to give you our Olympics update as they are underway for the first time with us being live. Uh, But before we get started, of course, this show would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our homies over at Tomahawk Shades doing the damn thing. Matt, they finally did it. They re-released their women's line. Tomahawk Shades, Tomahawk for her is back. Ladies, go and get your Tomahawk Shades. They got the sunglasses, the blue light glasses, everything in between. Plus, they've got all the classics lined up, ready to go. And uh, part owner of Tomahawk Shades, Chris Hogan, back in the NFL, just signed with the Saints. Uh, So congrats to Chris Hogan. But go to TomahawkShades.com, fill up your cart. We're still in the middle of summer. You got to protect those eyes when you're outside, when you're inside watching the Olympics, when you're scrolling through your phone to see which Philly sports team is making a trade next. You got to protect your eyes. So TomahawkShades.com, use our code USP at checkout to get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order. And our friends at Stateside Vodka, proud sponsors of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Matt, I think we advertised the vodka soda so much. Stateside Vodka is now out of the vodka sodas. They are completely sold out. They are working on getting them restocked, but that's how popular they were. We told you guys go get them while they're hot. And you absolutely did. So they're all out of the vodka sodas right now, but they're working on the restock. But you can still go to statesidevodka.com and uh, get those one-liter bottles into your cart. And when you go to check out, use promo code USP to get 10% off of those bad boys. And uh, you got to be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And, of course, our friends at Kenwood Beer, you got to have a nice cold Kenny in hand with all of these trade rumors swirling around with our favorite teams, with the Phillies not being able to play games. You got to have a Kenny in hand. Go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who has Kenwood Beer on tap. And, of course, you got to be 21 or older to crack open a nice cold Kenny. And please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? I am living the dream. We have a lot to get into on this episode with all four teams for the first time in a long time. Uh, Obviously, the most recent news, we'll get into it because this stupid baseball team never fails to amaze us. The Phillies... Won tonight their game, postponed single admission doubleheader on Thursday due to a Nationals COVID outbreak. Quite the the turntables How the turntables. Trey Turner was pulled during last night's game in the first inning, tested positive for COVID. The Nationals now have 12 
members of their team, four players, eight coaches who have tested positive, uh, and they had some breakthrough cases with guys who had the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine. Um, so they are one of the teams that are above the 85% threshold, but they had some breakthroughs. Uh, but that is a large number for this time of the year, and obviously we've been dealing with it with the Phillies. Maybe the Phillies can uh, go get a, a pep talk from the Eagles across the street who are 90% of the way to having their team fully vaccinated. Um, but the Phillies, they can't even make trades right. Yesterday, Tyler Anderson is reported to be coming to the Phillies for two minor league players. And then there's a snag in the trade due to uh, medical discrepancies with one of the players. At one point, it seemed like the Pirates pulled something dirty because they then turned around, traded Tyler Anderson to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, but allegedly, the Phillies and, and Pirates were on the phone together for four plus hours trying to figure things out before the Pirates turned around called the Mariners and shipped Tyler Anderson across the country instead of across state. Somehow, <sighs> even when we make the most boring trade ever, uh, we find <laughs> a way to make it interesting uh, for everyone else, at least. It's so dumb. I don't know how you spend that much time and can't come up with a resolution. We haven't obviously like received word exactly on what the issue was or with what player. Um, but how you don't find like someone, it's not like we were trading high level prospects right. either. Uh, these were guys that were outside of the top 25 in our own uh, pretty depleted farm system. So it's not like we were making a, a big move here and we were trying to reshuffle. Like I find it very hard to believe that there was no one else that we could find in, in the farm system that the, the pirates were interested in. So that's, um that's very frustrating. And, you know, it also leads, obviously, to having to watch Matt Moore and think about how you're going to have to see this again, probably. Even more. Uh, even more, Matt Moore. But, yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating because the Phillies can't even do the most boring thing ever uh, right. They just can't <laughs> get it right. And it's it's bizarre how – I don't I don't know what it is with, with this front office and how just constantly getting poisoned. I, I talked about it because I was going through guys that could potentially pop up on the Phillies like trade radar – and uh, we have breaking news. Eduardo Escobar traded from the Diamondbacks to the Milwaukee Brewers. So there's another potential uh, infield piece for the Phillies off the board. But it must be cool to have like uh, your team making like big aggressive moves at the trade deadline. Must be cool. Must be real fun. And I said Tyler Anderson is a guy that, you know, it would be fun to have him. One, he's left-handed. Haven't had a lefty in the rotation in who knows how long. But two... On the flip side, you're essentially making a trade for a guy, sure, he's under control for this year and next year at such a cheap rate, but Tyler Anderson, he's a guy that's going to go five innings for you every time he goes out. He's had This season, I think he's 18 for 18 of going five-plus innings, so the Mariners got a guy who's going to at least give them a quality start most of the time, but Tyler Anderson is kind of just adding to the back end of the rotation of guys that you already have on this roster. You have a Vince Velasquez here. Matt Moore, I don't know why he's still here. Chase Anderson's coming out of the bullpen. Spencer Howard might be the greatest opener of all time. Uh, but trading for Chase or for Tyler Anderson was almost like, you know, just acquiring more of something that the Phillies already had. If you're going to go and make a swing for a guy for this rotation, if you have any aspirations of trying to win this division, of trying to get into the playoffs, 
I feel like the Phillies need to take a much bigger swing and, and go get somebody that's going to make a difference in this rotation, not only because of the back end of the rotation, but you have Zach Eflin on the injured list, and who knows how much longer he's going to be out. He's going to be out longer than they initially expected him to be. And Aaron Nola has been so up and down over the last month and a half that you can't even truly rely on him in a big, a big spot. You really only have Zach Wheeler in this rotation right now that you can rely on. Aaron Nola, in a lot of ways, has <laughs> fallen out of uh, out of good graces. Good graces with everybody. By the way, I just wanted to look up uh, like recent left-handed pitchers, and instead got um, the top ten, uh, the top five. I'm sorry, left-handed starters. Oh God! In Phillies history, Steve Carlton, of Obviously. course. Uh, Cole Hamels, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Short, Kurt Simmons. These are these are older guys, and Cliff Lee. I would definitely say Cliff Lee should probably be <laughs> number three on that. It's list. it's a little tough when you got guys from like the the like not the forties through the seventies. It's era. like you know, like it's it's a little tough, especially to that. especially some of the desegregated uh, you know years, you know, or the segregated years. I should say it's like eh, maybe we don't count those yeah. as as hard, but um. Currently, you know, you have Matt Moore and Ranger Suarez, so that's good. Ranger's holding it down in the back of the bullpen, though. That's I will true. give him that. Yeah. He has been a revelation for the bullpen. But today, Matt, and we talked about this the last time we were live before our uh, our week off, more more trade wins a-blowing with the Phillies. Your boy. My literally, boy. Literally My boy. guy who I've talked about on this show probably for the last two trade deadlines. Yes. John Gray. Uh Allegedly. Allegedly. Phillies have interest in John Gray. Uh, This is like the type of guy. Like, he's well well above former Colorado Rocky Tyler Anderson in terms of just being like a reliable starter. You get him out of Colorado and out of that altitude to pitch. He's 29. It's a rental. You see how he pitches the rest of the season. If you like what you see, you you re-sign him. If not, you let him walk and you go from there. You're not going to have to give up too much for a rental like that, and he's only making he's on a six million dollar contract this year. So you pay, you know, whatever is left on that contract. It's not a big deal. It's not like you're going out and trading for like Max Scherzer or something like that as a rental. John Gray is like the perfect fit for what this team needs, and that's why we won't get him. Exactly, uh, he'll I, end up going to the Padres when they don't get Max Scherzer. And, you know, it's just it's baffling because the Phillies clearly need to make a move. And it feels like we've gotten this long into the trade deadline where we've seen other, you know, teams making uh, you know, big big shots and, and kind of calling their shots now at the trade deadline and, and really betting on themselves and believing in themselves. And the best we've mustered up so far is a broken down deal for uh, a fifth starter. Um even John Gray wouldn't be like lights out, wow, what a move. But it'd certainly be better than anything mm-hmm. we've done. I think what's interesting is Dombrowski is known for being aggressive. Yes. Like that's like his MO as as a GM is that he does not will- care about prospects. No, he doesn't care about seven years from now. He cares about the next three years and winning in those three years. Um if that. Like he's worried right. about like if John Middleton gives him that green light, he's going for it. Right. It's just strange that that's the guy that we have in control, and yet this is even the rumors haven't been that wild. We haven't been linked to like crazy, you know, like the the only thing that has been there is Chris Bryant. I think that's mostly just like speculation and like fan driven more than anything. Yeah, that I think the f- biggest like connection that I've seen from like a legitimate source uh, or reporter is Craig Kimbrell. Right. 
And, you know, in Chris Bryant, I think a lot of that is, like, Bryce is friends with him. Like, Bryce has been using the Chris Bryant battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's just... So, I, I, you know, it's just bizarre that we, we've made these moves and that we have this front office that is supposed to be very aggressive now, and yet we're still making the same, like, wet noodle moves that we've been making the last two years. So, that's frustrating if you're looking at it that way. But I guess the Phillies still have time, technically, but... The last 18 hours have not given you a lot of uh, hope <laughs> yeah. or, or belief that this is somehow going to be different or that they're going to get this right. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. It is, it's frustrating too, from a sense that like you have guys who started the year off kind of cold and now they're, they're hitting that hot streak, especially somebody like Andrew McCutcheon, who's like a seasoned veteran. Like I want nothing more than Andrew McCutcheon to get another shot at the playoffs. Like he's a guy that like, is putting this team on his back right now. Him, Bryce Harper's been playing well as of late. It's an inside-the-park home run uh, the other night. Reese Hoskins has been, you know, he's that that clubhouse leader, and he's going to be here. Um, the other frustrating part with this team is they continue nonstop to make defensive errors night in and night out, whether it's at third base or it's at shortstop. And it makes me want to pull my hair out because it is simple routine plays that they just seem to continue to blunder time and time again. We start calling the infield the strainer because uh, <laughs> a lot gets through them. Uh, it is. They are bad. And it's been bad. This isn't the first year either that we've we've dealt with a, a bad defensive infield, but it's uh this might be a new low for us we when we were looking at uh the war you know a few weeks ago um and we were looking at alec bohm our boy uh it was it was a tough sight it's really tough to to handle um so yeah the, obviously the defensive aspect of this team has been garbage in that respect and we've no we've noted that too you know where there's there's so many times where you get good pitching performances sure but you know this team just can't seem to even when there's a little bit of pressure deal with that or you know just that there's no consistency within this team either that's that's the other frustrating aspect i think but besides the defensive errors is just the we've seen time and time again now for the last few years the the hit the strategic hitting you know when you're talking about uh, guys left on base and um the situational hitting has just been so bad so frequently that it's systemic at this point and you almost expect it so the Phillies have, have just bred, I think, a lot of expected apathy. And, like, it's it's so hard to expect anything different from them at this point. Yeah, and I mean, another bummer, too, like, the Oakland A's, they go get Starling Marte from the Marlins, who 
I pegged last season. I said, bring Starling Marte to the Phillies. Like, they need a center fielder. They still need a center fielder. He would have been perfect for this team, for what they want to do. He's a rental. So, again, you kind of just gauge and see how he plays and determine if you want to bring him back next year. I mean, the Marlins got away with highway robbery for who they got for Starling Marte. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is under contract until 2027, and he's one of the young, bright stars in this game. Um, but I so mean, means by 2025, he'll be uh, on a different team, right? Probably. Uh, but I mean, like again, that's a guy that the Phillies should have been in talks with the Marlins about. You've had, you know, prior deals done with the Marlins at a much bigger clip, especially JT Real Muto. Um, Dombrowski should have been on the phone to go get a Starling Marte for this and that, team. That's what's confusing about all this is we haven't been we haven't been involved in that at all. And again, with Dombrowski's reputation for where this team is at, it's so weird to just kind of sit on your hands and make again these. No disrespect to Tyler Anderson, I think he'd help this team obviously, but that's what is that really doing for your team besides covering a band aid to cover up your band aid? Because you're covering up the fact that the two guys that you gave these, you know. Not great contracts, so even though they're 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 one year uh, prove it deals, they've been awful pitching wise this year, and now you're trying to cover that up with another just average pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like that's the issue is you're you're compounding mistakes, and that's where it gets messy, and that's where it gets very frustrating as a fan because you shouldn't really even be in this position. Uh, you shouldn't be in this position where you're having to cover up for for more and Anderson and all these other guys. Like you shouldn't have to be doing this shouldn't have to be depending on, you know, these kind of just average guys. I, I don't know why so much of this work couldn't be done in the offseason and why, you know, you, you just spend your money a little wiser and you don't have to be rushing at the deadline. Maybe then you can make a bigger move. You know, you don't have to be so focused on sealing the holes that you didn't properly seal in February. I, that's that's what's that's what gets me the most with this team is just the constant stepping on the rake and continuing to step on it. Uh, and expecting, I don't know, it to not hit you in the forehead this yeah. time. The uh, the one thing that is holding me back from even, like, considering a Chris Bryant trade is the news that came out yesterday saying that he would be more than willing to re-sign with the Cubs in free agency. So it's like, do you even make the, the calculated risk of trading for a Chris Bryant if that situation arose to then get burned by not knowing if he's going to re-sign with you, and then he just goes back to the team and pulls like an Aroldis Chapman. Team gives up a bunch of prospects, a bunch of players, and then you lose Chris Bryant to the team that you sent those players to. But with the way that this team has played defensively, knowing the player Chris Bryant is, knowing the rapport that he has with a Bryce Harper, he's 29. If you were Dave Dombrowski, do you pull the trigger and trade for Chris Bryant if it meant giving up Alec Bohm. No, because I don't think Chris Bryant is getting you where you want to be. That That's the issue with this team, right? Is that we're not really a star away. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're not the Dodgers where it's like, all right, this is the year we're going all in. We have a great team. We need, we need one. We need Mookie Betts to top us off. You know, like we're not in that position. Like we're fighting. We're out of the wild card. We're not making the wild card. It is solely division. Oh, totally. And we're three and a half games back, four games back in the division right now. Three and a half, I want to say, and we don't play tonight. So, right. and it's not a particularly uh, great division either. You know, it's not like you know the team ahead of us is is steamrolling. Here. And it's also frustrating when the Mets play the Braves. 
tonight, so one of those teams is going to end up so, winning. So you're you're giving up potential value for right now value, right? And that's with the added risk, of course, that Chris Bryant could walk. Not even necessarily to the Cubs, to anywhere. He's, you know, you're under no guarantee, right? I just, I, I don't know where what this team's timeline is anymore. And we've, I think we've, you know, lamented about this multiple times that they've sped up so often and they, they go out and spend on Bryce and JT and they go out and make these big signings and these big trades, but then they half-ass other parts of the roster construction. And then you look, the cupboard is pretty bare in terms of, you know, like player assets and obviously tanking didn't go very well because we didn't really drive very well. So it's not like we have like rising stars really to look at. Like Alec Bohm is like, Kind of it right now, you know, at least for the next the few years. The guys that made it from the rebuild are Alec Bohm, Ranger Suarez, Reese Hoskins. And Ranger is like this year. Right, which is like not great. <laughs> um, and Reese wasn't even like a top pick. He was a fifth round pick. Reese came out of nowhere. Yeah. Reese was not even in our like top 50. He's the exception <laughs> to the rule. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like when you're just in this position where that's your reality I just I don't know that Chris Bryant is doing you any good by getting him. And I, I again the fact that he could be a rental, that just makes it even more of a risk. And I, I just don't know that the value that he's providing you is gonna just get you over the line. You know, like what does Chris Bryant get you? You know, like is that what, an extra two wins? If you're lucky. Like it's just if you were giving me if you give me the option of a pitcher of Chris Bryant's talent. Then we, you know, that's a more, I think it's a different conversation, but I'm not sure that Chris Bryant is what this team needs. I've said it for the last two years now. I think one through eight, this team has what it takes to, mm-hmm. to at least compete. They can hit. They, they can at least compete, but it's it's the pitching that, that constantly, constantly kills us and the bullpen that constantly kills us. So and the defensive errors. Time I, I just time don't, again. I don't think Chris Bryant is, yeah. is the, the, the fix for this team or someone that, you know, again, what, okay. So what you pay Chris Bryant a bunch of money. Now what? Like <laughs> that's another guy added to the list of that you're paying a bunch of, of money of to. big contracts that are just keeping you in this middling zone where you're you know 500 year round and that's just not where you want to be. Yeah, which is where they're at right now. Phillies are 50 and 50. Um, it, it just doesn't make a ton of sense in my opinion to to trade for Chris Bryant. Now, if you had the guarantee that Chris Bryant would sign the extension and you get Craig Kimbrell. Maybe we're talking a little bit because then that gives you another back end of the bullpen guy. You still got to go and get a starter one way or another. Um, but, I mean, I saw a tweet earlier this week that said, you know, beyond this season or, or next season, the Phillies really only have, like, three guys on this roster that are worth anything to this team, right? It's Bryce Harper, it's JT, maybe Gene Segura if he's still here, and then pitching-wise, you have Nolan Wheeler. Outside of that, this team is not attached. Question to marks. You're not attached to any player outside of that list. Crutch is a free agent. Bohm is, I think, a question mark. A huge question mark, especially his defensive liabilities have been worse than we thought, and his offensive ability has not been what we thought it was going to be, and it has certainly hasn't been enough to kind of replace that value that you lose. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, you have DD under contract, but he has been. Very subpar the second half of the season. 
well, it's offensively his, uh, and defensively. It's his elbow issues. So, Very true. You know, don't forget that. Um, it's just it's a whole mess right now. And Dave Dombrowski is maybe not the guy that you want <laughs> for this situation because again, you know, if if it's his aggressive style, again, I I just don't know where you're going, and I don't know. Okay, so what do you give up everything just to get like a playoff appearance? That's what sucks right now. Is yeah. You 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 are very very much just like adrift at sea if you're the Phillies with just nowhere to go except like just blow the boat up and like restart. Like that's it. You know, like you you are literally at the point where I I don't know how you fix this team without just rebuilding again. I re- I which is insane. It is insane because you just got done and you haven't made the playoffs and it's like well we're in a bad you know and this happens with baseball teams all the time too though you know like where it's like they go through these these rebuilds it doesn't lead to success and they have to tear it down again and that's how you lose generations of fans that's how you lose an entire generation of of people not caring as much about the phillies and that's where they're at right now like you had a dollar jog night this week and there were like i've never seen i mean obviously there are other things going on in the world but I've never seen a Dollar Dog Night that sparse. Dollar Dog Night is always uh, the hot absolute, ticket. Absolute madhouse. Also, Dollar Dog Nights typically don't even go this late into the season. No, and T- they have one the rest of the year. I know it's it's that is typically done by like late April. The Dollar Dog Nights. Yeah, so. maybe you're lucky if you get one in May. But I just I I think it's they're they're in a really difficult position, and I wouldn't want to be Dave Dombrowski. I'd like to be John Middleton. Uh, so mm-hmm. I could just spend my money and, totally. <laughs> and and fix this, but I just I think the Phillies are in such such a mess, and I I, I don't see the way out for them. And because Jason Stark any, keeps any move you make outside of like ro- literally robbing other teams at gunpoint. I don't know what moves you're making that are going to make you like, oh like the Astros <laughs> in their division. <laughs> right right outside of that i don't know what dirt they have on there but you know like outside of that situation though that you'd have to do like two or three times to to really fix the big holes in this roster i don't i just don't know what you do and at least until the offseason when you can spend money on free agents but that has not been and it is uh, not a great free agent class no but and it hasn't been like a successful route because guess what you've done that yep you've gone out that's where you're at right now you've spent the money and this is where you're at it means nothing you know i think we spent on the big guys relatively well. And I think we've made some smart signings, but again, if you don't have the young talent that you're growing to, to match that level, if you can't like develop guys, then it doesn't matter how much money you spend because you're constantly going to have holes in your roster because you, you can only spend so much and so often. And there's only so many guys with talent or fit that are on the market that want to come to you. Like, it's just they're they are in such a a mess right now in terms of, of management. And they're building the right way, you know, through the draft right now. But that's like five years away at at the soonest because you're drafting a bunch of high school kids, which right. I'm not opposed to. Um, but like, you're a ways away with the guys that are like being talked about as like your top prospects. So this team's a mess. Um, We'll see what happens. You know, we are two days away from the trade deadline. Uh, and the Phillies have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. So, we'll, we'll see. see if they take advantage <laughs> of that. Uh, Survey says, unlikely. Who the hell knows? <laughs> uh, the one team that is taking advantage of uh, opportunities in front of them, and a team we haven't talked about in a while, Matt, 
is uh, our Philadelphia Flyers. They are stirring the pot. They are changing uh, this roster makeup all over the place. Trades, signings, not drafting in the first round. But since the last time we talked, I think they've made like 17 roster moves. Yeah. Um, some of those confusing. Some of those bizarre. Some of those unflattering. Uh, some of those just not very good. That about sums it up. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of sideways moves, Mm -hmm. a lot of head scratchers, not a whole lot there that's like, wow, smart. I think Ellis is the only one, but then you see what like Patrick gets flipped into, and you're like, why couldn't we have just done that? Yeah. <laughs> why? Uh, so since the last time we were live, Ryan Ellis is now a Philadelphia Flyer. Rasmus Ristolainen is now a Philadelphia Flyer. Cam Atkinson is now a Philadelphia Flyer. Jake Voracek is a Columbus Blue Jacket. Where all great Flyers <laughs> go to die. And uh, joining the RJ Umberger train. <laughs> as of today, officially, Keith Yandel is a Philadelphia Flyer. So this defense has a completely new look to it. Shane Gossespierre is gone. Nolan Patrick is gone. And this team is just totally revamping the way that they want to put their defense out there in front of Carter Hart and now newly acquired backup goaltender Martin Jones who signed a one-year deal today, as did former, now current flyer, Nate Thompson. A lot of moves. And a lot of them are not good. <laughs> I'm you know, there's okay a story, with... There's a story about the Minnesota Wild. And, um, that there is. And uh, buying out Zach Parise. And, um, he's like, wow, you know, whatever GM we're making Brian these suitor, <laughs> whatever GM made these decisions, signed these, uh, these contracts. Wow. Bad form. It's like, I'd hate to be the team that has Chuck Fletcher in charge. Um, I'm okay with four of these moves. I'm okay with like two of them. I'm cool with, with Ryan Ellis. Yes. I think that was a great move, especially after seeing like the Seth Jones trade and what he's getting paid by the Blackhawks. Uh, the Ryan Ellis move looked that much better, plus has an immaculate beard, one of the four bearded horsemen of Philadelphia. Um, the Ristolainen trade, I get why people were mad about it because you gave up that first-round pick, but also, like, what were you going to take with that pick? That I know – and. Everyone's talking about Ristolainen had a bad year last year. Also had COVID pretty bad last year. Not that that's a full-blown excuse for, you know, when he came back and everything. But dealt with COVID last year. He's playing for the Buffalo Sabres. 
I think a change of scenery can really Are we allowed to you. punch down on the sabers? Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and then the Voracek for Cam Atkinson. I get why they did it, but it is kind of one of those like sucks deep down gut punches because as much as everybody bitched and complained about Jake Voracek while he was on the ice, everybody deep down loved Jake Voracek. He also scores, so... Yeah, and I think he's a point producer, so... He's at the point in his career where he's more of the assist guy, which this team needs, but I think Cam Atkinson is a guy who brings elements to the table that this team hasn't had. He can be on the power play, he's a shoot-first type of guy, and for what it's shaping out to be, and whether this is good or not... The moves that this Flyers team are making are seem to be very based around what Kevin Hayes wants and guys that are familiar with playing for AV. Whether that's good or not, I don't know. But Kevin Hayes seems to be very vocal and very involved in a lot of these moves. Cam Atkinson and he are very good friends, played at BC together. The Keith Yandel deal, I don't know if you saw the video today. Uh, when he had his Zoom press conference, they had Kevin Hayes like waiting in there uh, for him. There, It seems like Kevin Hayes is very much involved in a lot of these moves that are going down this offseason. I think what's difficult about the Flyers is almost similar to the Phillies in that the team had been not quite as poorly mismanaged, but you have this issue where sometimes the prospects that you're you're after don't pan out, right? And Ghost is a great representation of that. Where he has this stellar rookie campaign, and you think you have something that ultimately sours in front of you. And that's been the story with a lot of the Flyers' recent prospects. The entire last like seven, eight years has been filled with what great defensemen we have coming up and how good this team is going to be and they're going to be built on this. And it hasn't shaped up that way. And... I just think that defensively, this team is still very bad. Now, listen, Carter Hart had a rough year last year. You have to imagine that that changes. You hope it does, at least. <laughs> you, you really have to hope, because it's, it's not like the, the backup goaltender you just signed is exactly, uh, you know... Lighting the world. It's not, you know, a few years ago, Martin Jones. Right. You're, you're not exactly uh, safe in that department. I, I just think there's still... There's questions to be had about this team and its direction. It still feels like a middling year. I say that, though, next year should be a playoff year because that's the way that the Flyers operate. Um, but you know, you know what I, I think about a lot is the, 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 the COVID year last year, not 20, like, you know what I mean, and how good this team looked and how it really felt like, wow, you might be going somewhere. And then you watch them in like those first few round robin games in the bubble and you think this team is very good and then they fall apart and this team has not looked good since. And I just think this is who they are now. I, I don't think, I just, I just think they're not a very good team. And I think we kind of have to live with that. And I think, frankly, it's going to stay that way for a while because I don't think you have a good decision maker it's always you're always working against the grain up the stream if you don't have a good decision maker. You can get lucky, of course, but when the person at the top who's in control of things is maybe not of the most sound mind, you're always going to struggle. I will say, here was last year's defensive group. 
that the Flyers trotted out there uh, for the season. Justin Braun, Mark Friedman, Shane Gostisbehere, Robert Hag, Phil Myers, Matt Niskanen, Provy, and Travis Sanheim. Sure, there's a lot of those prospects in there that like everybody had a lot of hope for. Uh, you didn't really know like who was going to pan out, but you had a bunch of young guys on that defense. Now coming into this year right now on their roster, and I will include Keith Yandel in this because it was made official today. So you got Keith Yandel signed in free agency, Ryan Ellis, Justin Braun, Provorov, Ristolainen, Sanheim. I think your top two pairings going into this year compared to last year, on paper and obviously expecting the improvements from some of these guys, is exponentially better than what you were trotting out there last year. And I think having Provorov with Ryan Ellis as your top pair is going to make Provorov better. I think he's going to get back to what he was a couple seasons ago in terms of just like the elite defenseman that we've seen from him. And then you have Ristolainen, you have Yandel, and then, you know, some of these younger guys that are still kind of like in between the AHL with the Phantoms and this Flyers team can make their way through and, and burst onto the scene. I think this defensive core is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. You could definitely make the case there's improvement. Again, though, I think what the issue is with the Flyers is the roadmap to being a championship-winning team for me, isn't quite there. Totally. And you're depending a lot on guys to like make leaps that I'm not sold on will make that leap and are, are very much still big question marks. Now you could obviously, you could win on that mm-hmm. and that could, that could happen for you, but it does feel like a lot like of, well, we're really banking on these young guys to, to carry the burden and to, to, to make some steps up and, I think that's a little hard to see right now. Um, and right now, I mean, when you look how competitive just even your own division is, it's not easy. You know, like they, they just feel still like a first-round exit team. I know? will say I think some of these moves, may, and this is just total speculation, I think some of these moves are being made because they went into this offseason thinking – Seattle was going to take one of those two big contracts off their hands. Obviously, they flipped for a check for Cam Atkinson, but I think this front office went into the offseason thinking JVR for a check. We're going to get taken by the Kraken, and Dave Haxtall just built, on paper, one of the most strange and horrendous expansion rosters. A genius, actually, Kyle. He's got that beard now. Yeah. Imagine if we had that. Um, But I think they were thinking they were going to be – be able to operate with more money in terms of the cap. Um, so they're just like kind of making moves happen with what they got. And who knows? I mean, it, it, it makes it exciting because it is such a massive shakeup and we haven't seen such a massive shakeup with the flyers in a decade. Like you haven't really made too many big roster altering moves like this as long as I can remember. Yeah, th- I think some of it just feels bigger than it is, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, and I think that's just a product of it not ever really happening. And you don't see that a ton in hockey yeah. in general either, where there's like lots of of movement, um, like big like blockbuster trades just aren't as common. I, I still, I, I just don't know that you've improved significantly 
on these moves on again you can have player development you know that could be your your avenue of improvement that's what it seems like the flyers are betting on is that you know Farabee, right, is going to improve. That Morgan Frost, you might get more like stability out of. That Hart isn't going to have the year that he had. That Travis Sanheim is going to improve. Like, I think those are the names that they're they're looking and thinking like these guys are going to like be, you know, a lot better than they were last year. And there's nothing wrong with like I'm a proponent of like trusting your young guys and like you know put them in there. But also like that's it, it is risky to kind of put that solely on their shoulders like the future of this team and again i i just feel like the ceiling for this team is still like a fourth seed like that's Mm -hmm. that feels like the ceiling your ceiling should be a championship team if if you really want to be winning obviously like and it just doesn't doesn't feel like the flyers are there and it just feels like when you have so many well all we need is just for this to happen or this happens and we need this to like when you have so many and then if this happened like we have so much of those qualifiers. That's where it gets murky for me. And it feels like the Flyers have a lot of qualifying uh, sentences right now uh, about their team. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. It's it's piqued my interest in the Flyers in a month where we're typically not really talking about right. the Flyers uh, over the past couple of years, especially since we've started this podcast. It's very rare that we talk uh, Flyers in July. But, hey, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. It seems like... The guys that are coming in, too, are very, like, excited and intrigued about being here, which it didn't feel forced. I mean, sure, you have Cam Atkinson wearing a gritty shirt because he's friends with Scott Hartnell, but, like, they genuinely felt, like, excitement about being with this team, and I think that's another thing that this locker room needs is they needed that jolt. It seemed very stagnant for most of last year after the hot start they got off to, and then coming back from their COVID break, it was just like, a completely different team. So I'm excited for kind of like the shot in the arm, no pun intended, uh, that this team desperately needed. And it's a big reason why they fell off the face of the earth towards the end of the season last year and started losing games like six to one, eight to two, nine, nothing and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, Hey, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what Chuck Fletcher continues to do because it seems like he is on a tirade of making moves. And that brings us to our first mid pod segment, in a very long time, Matt. Uh, we are officially partnering up with the good people at Play Pickup. Uh, it's an online props website, playpickup.com. You can check out everything. We're, you're going to start seeing polls integrated into our blogs, and every week we're going to have a Play Pickup poll for you guys on the pod. And the trade winds are blowing in Philadelphia. So our very first poll our prop poll brought to you by pickup, which Philadelphia team makes a trade first. Obviously we talked about the Phillies. The trade deadline is here. That's the obvious answer, but flyers making a ton of moves. The Sixers trade rumors, which we're going to get into after this are swirling. And then the ongoing ridiculous Deshaun Watson Eagles trade rumor continues to float around, but you can go to playpickup.com and uh, you can check out all of the partners that they have with their blogs, uh, their polls, and everything, and play pickup for free right now. Playpickup.com. So, Matt, if you had to uh, place your prop bet with pickup, which Philly team makes a trade first? I would go with the Sixers. The draft is tomorrow night. I wouldn't be too. We saw them make draft night trade last year. Um, that was the big shakeup, of course. That was the the Seth Curry night as well. Like. So I think you could you could put good money I think on the Sixers being the, that uh, that team. Um, 
we already know that they're at least interested. They've had discussions with the Spurs about Ben Simmons. Uh, Woj tweets out today that the draft night could be the night for the Sixers to make that move. They're they're still uh, canvassing the league or whatever verbiage he used. So I, I would bet on the Sixers because, again, that's that's literally in 24 hours. Uh, so I, I would be surprised if if there's not at least something. And there's also rumors about us being interested in Buddy Heald, which is completely different outside of any Simmons trade, that that's just its own separate deal. So I, I would bet on the Sixers for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the Sixers too. Obviously, the safe play there is the Phillies because anything could happen at any time, uh, especially since they're not playing a game tonight. Kind of gives them a little more time to sit back and assess the trade market as the deadline approaches. But with the draft being tomorrow night with the Sixers, uh, with the Woj tweet that came out earlier today uh, where he said the Sixers continue, as you said, to canvas the league for Ben Simmons trades. Armed with a steep asking price, Simmons and his agent, Clutch CEO Rich Paul, are in step with a move elsewhere, which is the first time we've heard uh, Ben Simmons and Rich Paul being on the same page with the Sixers and being ready to move on. Uh, and draft night is always an ideal vehicle for a deal, but talks could continue into the summer. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Sixers as well. You guys can cast your vote at playpickup.com. We'll have a blog with that up uh, in the morning. You guys can cast your votes, send in your phone number. You have a chance to win prizes on the pickup marketplace just by playing in these polls. We'll have polls each and every week uh, on our site. You can go to playpickup.com for more details. Anybody can play. It's free to play. So shout out to our new friends. It's a very cool idea. Pickup. Um, the Sixers, Ben Simmons. <laughs> the trade rumors will not end. Um, it, somebody's quantifying it down to the likely destinations for Ben Simmons being the Washington Wizards, the Toronto Raptors, and the Miami Heat. And I have never seen so many Sixers fans today clamoring for the return of Jimmy Butler in my life. Not a shot. I don't see Miami even being a player in this. I don't even really see the Washington Wizards being a player. For Ben Simmons in the end. The Raptors one is interesting because we had that reported trade rumor that involved the number four pick. OG Ananobi was involved in it as well. The Raptors declined it. And then obviously you have Damian Lillard still swirling around uh, Big game playing hunting. in Tokyo. Big game hunting. Loving the energy from the uh, the foreign players. But Ben Simmons... I truly cannot wait for this whole saga to come to an end because I'm ready to just see who's going to be playing with Joel Embiid. That's all I really care about at this point. Give me the makings of who is going to be on this roster. The sooner you get this resolved, the better for everyone. Uh, and obviously then you can you know, make any other moves. Like This could potentially be holding up other decisions that you're trying to make. Um, you might have to draft with something else in mind. I think tomorrow is going to be very interesting because I, I, I would be, I'd actually be really surprised the Sixers don't make some kind of move tomorrow night. Um, obviously in terms of, of who they're looking at, who knows? We know that Josh Christopher might be this year's, uh, you know, like Scarlet Letter type of deal. Like you've been selected, just wait for us at midnight. But I just think, um, I, I listen, my personal feelings aren't Ben Simmons. I don't want to see him on this team anymore. I just, I don't, I'm done with it. 
I'm, I'm ready to move on. It very much seems like both the team and him are in that situation now. For a while, it was Ben was just going to work on himself and whatever. Uh, there was also reports, though, that we hadn't even talked to Ben. Yeah, and that he was ignoring our calls. And yeah, but apparently, you know, we talked to him on his birthday, which wasn't really a denial of the first story. He was just saying, well, no, we talked to him on his birthday, which could just mean we wished him a happy birthday. Yeah. So, <laughs> I listen, it's a mess. I trust Daryl Morey to do the right thing. It's insane to me that people are like being so negative about Morey. And there's yeah. there's so much like, oh, Morey's always trying to get like the best deal. This is how he gets screwed. It's like, first of all, yes, it's literally his job <laughs> is to get the best deal. I don't know how to tell you that. It's, it's trying to maximize the value that he possibly can. He'd be dumb to not ask for a high price for this guy. You'd be stupid to do that. And second, he's not dumb. Right. He's one of the smartest gyms in the league, and I trust him completely so whatever path we take you know we just have to deal with it even if that means Ben Simmons is on the team still I don't want that but we're just going to live with uh, with whatever happens either in the next 24 hours or over the course of the summer I just I don't see a path for Ben being back on the team I think the Wizards are interesting because Bradley Buell if he decides that this isn't that that he's out of Washington Sixers have one of the better offers for him. I know Boston is a place that's been linked with him a lot, but he did declare during the first round of the playoffs that the Wells Fargo Center was indeed his house. Well, he could definitely make it a home uh, if he wants. He could be like Kanye West down, <laughs> he could down live, in Atlanta. He could live in the Wells Fargo Center if he'd like. Um, yeah, and I mean, you obviously have Damian Lillard as well, who said that nothing's going to be decided while he's at the Olympics, which is fair and reasonable. Um, so that could be something that isn't resolved for some time, if that even gets resolved this summer, because he may just want to see what other moves the Blazers make. He's just trying to apply pressure. So I think we're going to see some resolution to at least part of this tomorrow night. What do you make of that Warriors thing? To like everybody talking about the two packaging seven and fourteen. Yeah, I would be surprised if they don't, because the Warriors timeline is now. Mm-hmm. They they don't really they're not really in a position to be building and thinking about the future when you have Steph Curry you know he's not old yet right and he's still playing very well we saw it last right. season he's an and MVP shooters candidate. can play right much but, you longer know, Steph, than at his level is only going to last right. you so long he'll obviously have a great like later stage career because of his shooting ability but you have clay back this year but you don't know what kind of condition mm-hmm. he's coming back and remember he came off two very serious injuries <laughs> Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. They have, I think they have Dream to maximize. Is- yeah, they have to maximize what they have now currently. And I don't think seven and fourteen are uh, are going to get you guys that are immediate impact guys. It's very rare for rookies to be immediate impact guys. You still have James Wiseman, who I still like a lot, and I, I. It's so weird that we slandered DeAndre Ayton for the last few years, and then watched him this playoff run, and now everyone's like giving him his flowers, which he deserves. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're doing the exact same thing with James Wiseman. You know, like it's just so Who's bizarre. It, right? It's so bizarre to me that you. 
that we've had this all like realization about DeAndre Ayton and how great he looked and wow, like what a player, like so immense. And I look at James Wiseman and I see the exact same blueprint. I, I feel like we'll be in four or five years, whatever team he ends up on, because I don't think he'll he'll be staying with the Warriors. Be like, yeah, he's great, and he was always going to be. Because guess what? When you're seven foot and can move like he does, like you figure it out over time. You come into your body, like right. He played two games uh, in Memphis. <laughs> like, what are we doing, man? Uh, with, with crucifying these people so early on, he had no off season. I just anyway. I I do think the Warriors make some kind of move, um, and that you know that could be interesting as well. You know, so there's a lot that I think is going to rest on tomorrow night. I think the league could be in a little different of a place. We see pretty much every draft night now. Mm-hmm. We see some sort of um, big move that that shakes things up a little bit. The Warriors have been a part of that, you know, in the past as well. You know, D'Angelo Russell, I believe, was uh, draft night. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow night in terms of, of maybe some resolution to these storylines that we have. Draft night is your night. It's true. You have uh, assembled your Avengers of the 2021. Right. NBA draft Sixers picking 28th tomorrow night allegedly uh that could change but uh going into tomorrow what what do we see on the table for this Sixers team for Daryl Morey in like his first full year being ready to uh to make a draft pick so you have Josh Christopher who the Sixers have made it a habit now I don't know that Daryl Morey is this type of guy but we know that Matisse Thibel was promised um we don't know much about Tyrese Maxey and what he was promised. Isaiah exactly. Joe was promised. We know that Isaiah Joe was promised. Uh, it looks like Sacramento's making some promises tonight. Right. Because uh, <laughs> Jason Jones tweeted out that Robert Woodard II, uh, Jemias Ramsey, Lewis King from last season's roster, Emmanuel Terry, Kenny Wooten, Jonathan Williams, and Alex Antetokounmpo are a part of Sacramento's summer league roster. And... Uh, <laughs> One of those guys is theoretically eligible for the draft. <laughs> the Kings are just a beautiful organization that uh, really... <laughs> um, Josh Christopher, is, it seems like, could be the pick. Um, I do wonder if this is a situation like Tyrese Maxey last year where someone drops to us on draft night that we just love. And that is just... I don't know that Tyrese Maxey was the plan going into last year at 21. But again, when he falls to you... You, you make that selection every time. Um, there's another guy that I think is, is obviously very interesting, someone that you would definitely be on our mind uh, from the college basketball season gone past, which is Jared Butler coming out of Baylor. Just a fantastic guard, great shooter, has good defensive ability. This is a, a guy that I think drops to you that you, you think very hard about, uh, about going after because I think he gives you a lot of what you're looking for if you're the Sixers, but... Again, I, I, I just – there's no good read this year, and there really wasn't last year. We knew Isaiah Joe, but getting him in the first round seemed like a stretch. He drops all the way, what, he was 44 last? Seven? Something like that. He was he was in the mid to late 40s. I just I, – I really think tomorrow, especially with teams angling so much to either like pack – you've already seen some movement uh, with the Pelicans moving up, um, with the with, – I'm sorry, with the Grizzlies moving up, that – 
you could really like see like someone potentially drop to you that I think is very interesting for the Sixers. So obviously Josh Christopher is someone that I think is on the mind of Sixers fans everywhere. Jared Butler is someone that I love. You have someone like Sharif Cooper coming out of like Auburn who I really, really like. I think it's, it's more than likely you're looking at a guard again, because I think those are what this team is lacking in, in terms of depth. Obviously Maxie's like a good step forward, but outside of that, who knows? Um, George Hill, maybe not even on this roster. Maybe he gets you know, part of a trade deal. And that's, again, what I think is difficult more than the last few years with the Sixers is that there's very clear. Last year, we didn't know what type of moves were going to be made going into the draft. We weren't expecting, you know, to be off of Al Horford and to, to have Seth Curry on this team and Danny Green. So this year, it feels more defined than ever that there's going to be some movement within this roster. And it's more than likely Ben Simmons. And it feels like you weren't, there's two very different team needs if you're moving forward with Ben Simmons or you're moving forward without him. And that's what I think makes this draft very difficult um, if you're Daryl Morey. And as a fan, just trying to look at guys and think, well, he'd be a good fit. Really, I, I think the Sixers are in a position where I, I think they'll hope for someone that they really like to fall. Who that guy is, who knows? Even someone like Christopher could fall later. He's, he's not like a lock to be going, you know, in the 20s. Like he's someone that could drop into the second round as well. And, you know, maybe is there again for you. So that's something for, for the Sixers to think about as well. One guy that has popped up on my radar simply because he has a fantastic nickname is uh, Nashawn Highland. Nickname is Bones. <laughs> Could you imagine Matty Cord just yelling Bones Highland in his... Uh, in arena voice. See, that just makes me sad, though, because I'm thinking about how we won't be having the zoo calling it. So I know. That's what, uh, that's what be- beats me up a little bit inside. Oh, it would be so fantastic. Uh, we do have a bit of breaking baseball news before we continue. Uh, Joey Gallo was scratched for non-medical reasons. It appears a trade is going down. This is according to Evan Grant, who covers the Rangers for the Dallas Morning News. Don't think it'll be the Phillies. He seems... Very pegged to go to an American League contender. Uh, And it is the New York Yankees who got Joey Gallo. Wow. The rich kid rich, huh? (sighs) That was my preseason World Series pick, so (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see it. Another name to keep an eye on is uh, Zaire Williams as well. I think a guy out of Stanford, uh, kind of like a rangy, lengthy uh, guard forward hybrid really interesting looking uh, can we prospect. do another Zaire though I, that is the di- I think <laughs> it's without the H though okay so maybe there's some good energy in there but yeah he uh he's he's a very handsome boy you know I, I just think I think you know again it's it's gonna be interesting just who drops you someone will drop that happens every draft I think um I think we'll learn a lot as well if there's no Ben Simmons trade I think we could learn quite a bit as well about the direction this team is going based on our draft selection if we if we get no trade tomorrow if if we make a selection that could be very telling about where Daryl Morey thinks that we're headed going into next year so that's that's something to watch for but may not even be a Ben Simmons trade you know we're in for Buddy Heald apparently so and I mean we saw what Daryl did at the draft last year and that was like him literally coming in for a cup of coffee before running the board and getting guys like Danny Green Seth Curry like right Daryl knows how to work the phones. He's going to make things happen. And I won't be, I will be shocked just to see what happens, but I won't be shocked because I know it's Daryl pulling the strings. 
Uh, and like we've said time and time again since Daryl got here, we trust Daryl Morey with our lives. And uh, we know he's going to make the right moves to uh, put this team in the best position to win. Uh, final bit of sports discussion. The Olympics are back. And everybody's talking about them. Whether it's not knowing where to find to watch them. Or just headline after headline. Uh, I think what's difficult about the Olympics is they'll show like certain sports are on. They'll show like there's like you look at the the preview for the channel and it has like seven sports on. You have no clue what you're clicking into. Because yep. it'll say like men's basketball, uh, women's beach volleyball, uh, 3v3 basketball, water polo. You have no clue what like and that's like a four hour like program. You have no clue what you're clicking into. I, I think it should it should break down because when I, I look at it, they show like you can watch highlights based on sport. You should just be able to filter by sport live. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want to watch. It has been challenging. Very challenging to watch. Uh, and a lot of the obviously the time difference, like people aren't really paying attention to see if it's a live event or right. if it's a, a tape delay thing. Uh, so many of the big prominent events happening at like three in the morning. Like, right. You're not going to be able to. And then you have to run into potential spoilers. Right. The, uh, which are all over the place. The, the women's team final uh, all around got spoiled for me. Cause yeah. it was like, it was a news alert. It's yeah. like, oh, USA gets silver. And I'm like, cool. Guess I won't be watching tonight. <laughs> and that obviously brings up everything with Simone Biles. She pulls out from the individual events as well. Um, for mental health reasons, first of all, shout out to Simone Biles for just like being a human right. and taking control of her own life and realizing there are much bigger things than sports. Um, but it has thrown the internet into a tizzy about just everything. Um, I love what Nastia Lucan had to say about it with Mike Tarico last night. Like you're, some people don't realize like you're, <laughs> you have gymnasts hurling their bodies into the air doing flips and twists and everything and if you are even just a smidge off it's potential catastrophe so for yeah. her to just recognize like i'm not on i'm not in this i gotta pull myself out one for myself and two for the betterment of the team had no problems yeah i, I mean she's also uh I've, we've been very lucky that we've gotten to see pretty much all the great greatest olympians <laughs> in their respective sports in our lifetime you have for me, it's Michael Phelps, Katie Ledecky, and Simone Biles yeah. are like the three American Olympians that I've like looked at in my life, and I'm like, uh, they're the best to ever do it, and I will be lucky if in my lifetime I see anyone come close to them. Uh, so she has all the leverage in the world to do whatever she wants, and I, I think it's ridiculous too that people question it. If she had just said she had an injury, no one would say anything. Nope. You know, like the fact that I think it's she's you know. Uh, there, there's like a, a mental health aspect to this, I think is what gets people anytime any celebrity or, or athlete talks about mental health or talks about anything that they're, they're struggling with. There's always, Oh, you're a millionaire or whatever. Like you have a dream situation, but I think we forget, especially for uh, Olympian, especially for Olympian gymnasts, how much pressure we heap on them, how much they have to, how many weird questions they have to field. You consider some of the details of Simone Biles' life, some of the trauma that a lot of these gymnasts have had to go through as a result of mismanagement and 
like criminal negligence uh, because of what a lot of these these women had to endure as teenagers, as children uh, from doctors that were, you know, within the, the U.S. gymnastics scene. So you consider all that, it's like, it's easy to imagine how someone could kind of just decide for themselves, listen, like, I need, like, time for myself or I need to remove myself from the situation. So I respect her doing that. I think the more that we have people, like, make this normal you know like i don't want to be like normalize this like, you know, because i hate when people say that <laughs> but it's the truth you like the more that people do this the more people like are open and honest michael phelps has been open and honest about his own uh mental health struggles even when he's literally the top of the game no one could beat him and he was still like struggling so i, I think it's important yep. that we have that discussion marshawn lynch was right at the forefront of it and like people thought it was it was great like, you know. I just, I, I think you want athletes being open and honest. You want people being open and honest about this kind of thing. And, you know, I, I hope her situation improves and I want to see her compete again. Right. I'd love to see her compete now, but if she's not in the right mental state to do that, then it's not my place to question her. You know, like it's not my place to say or, or speculate on, on what she should be doing or, Oh, this isn't good enough. Like, no man, like support her through and through. She is done more than enough uh for team usa totally. uh throughout her career already and she could stop doing gymnastics now and still be the greatest gymnast to ever live uh so you know that's the end of the story uh for me personally and i will uh be telling my children and grandchildren about watching simone biles and what a badass she was so like the the term goat gets thrown around a ton now but like she is simone biles is <laughs> she's one of she's the not greatest allowed to athletes. do certain difficulties because they would actually uh potentially endanger other athletes if they tried to attempt those same things in order to keep up like that's the, the standard she she literally it. breaks the game yeah. you know like she she you know you talk about like game breakers you talk about people that like just really change the way like a sport is played or something like that is simone biles like she's quite literally changing how gymnastics is scored so maybe <laughs> maybe let's just give her the benefit of the doubt and trust that she knows uh her body her own mind and that you know she she understands when she's performing at her best and when she isn't so total legend and you're uh, and you're not a real patriot if you don't support uh that yeah, by the way <laughs> big facts uh so shout out to simone biles hopefully you know everything gets back to where she needs it to be for herself and uh she keeps it pushing and hopefully it's not the last we've seen of her but if it is legend um another legend doing it in the pool katie ledecky just an absolute monster uh, swims the 200 freestyle last She lost night. this money, though, Kyle. She did. She did. She lost the tip, so I was real bummed about <laughs> I that. I was bummed. Um, Great race, though. It was a fantastic race for the 400. She swims the 200 last night, which is, like, the fastest event. You'll see Katie Ledecky swim. She's a distant swimmer. Um, and then in less than an hour, turns around and just demolishes in the 1500. Like, I tweeted it. it it's tough to explain, like, how you have to approach the 200 freestyle because it is it's a mid-distance sprint like you can't go all out in the beginning and you can't save anything either it's a tough i say it's the toughest race in swimming um and then to just less than an hour flip and go do a 1500 the way she did and was literally like three and a half four seconds ahead of everybody else she is just what a monster my favorite thing about katie ledecky is uh when they're following just her and you see probably a good like twenty meters of the pool, and there's just no one near her, <laughs> or the only people that are near her are people she's lapping. She's just again 
an unbelievable athlete. The the level that she's above, like her co-athletes, her co-competitors here, uh, especially in distance swimming, is just it's unbelievable. You really just don't see that kind of dominance very often. Even Michael Phillips was never like dominant quite like she is. Obviously, like when you have the distance ability, you're able to build mm-hmm. like a much you have more time. You're able to build a much larger lead, but um, she's impressive to watch and. Yeah, it's been fun to like dig back into Olympic sports. My favorite thing is just clicking on random sports. Uh, favorite is obviously like uh, swimming. Like that's great. Gymnastics. Those are, those are the big two, I think. But beach volleyball is great. Yes. Really enjoy. I finally got to watch water polo today, which was great. I love. I love some water polo. Skateboarding was awesome. Skateboarding was awesome. You had like two like teenagers winning it, which was sick. Uh, Tony Hawk there, just like for the vibes, which you gotta love. He got kicked <laughs> out of the arena. He was on his Instagram like posting everybody start to their their heat and then he posted his last one on instagram and said this post is what promptly got me kicked out of the arena <laughs> he was literally just there for the vibes you can't ask tony hawk to leave i'm sorry you and can't I... ask tony hawk to leave the skateboarding <laughs> yeah. uh, olympic like com- competition like you just can't do that i'm sorry you just can't um but yeah, yeah it's it's been really awesome to watch these olympics it's good to have them back uh because they're fun I, I, there's really no no better explanation than that i just love i love watching just especially like the random sports you mm-hmm. know like things you don't really think about fencing fencing like all the work that people put into this just to, to make it to this level uh they're like olympic like whitewater rafting is like amazing like yeah. i watch this i'm like how do you even go about just being this good at, at this thing like it's just it's it's great to watch. It's great to watch people that are just at the absolute top of, of whatever their sport or discipline is uh, doing it at the highest level. Like, that's what's great about the The Olympics. teenagers that pop out are just, like, the coolest. Like, Lydia Jacoby the other night, the 17-year-old you Alaskan You burns me up swimmer. about that is these those those kids are going to have to go back to school. <laughs> and it's like, if I won, if I was even just at the Olympics, I think if I even just made Olympic trials in whatever my sport was, and then they're like, yeah, you got to go do, like, calculus now. I'm like, I would not be doing any of that. I saw a tweet. I forget who did it, so forgive me. I'll probably, like, put it into the clip here. But um, somebody said... This is so unfair. These two kids are going to have the best while I was away for the summer stories when they come back to school yeah, the, the in two, September. The two 13 uh, year old skateboarders were 13 and 14, yeah. I think. Which Lydia is just Jacoby's like, a senior in high school. Imagine going back to middle school, like middle school, and be like, yeah, I won uh, silver at the Olympics over the summer. It was a pretty cool summer for me. Like, wow. <laughs> what a time. Like, you're flexing on everyone with that, and you deserve it because you went to the Olympics. <laughs> electric and then we have caleb dressel swimming tonight like monster. what a monster uh very excited to watch him go at it and like you said just the olympics being back it's always just like such a nice like let's just watch the most random yet elite athletes in the world put on an absolute show yeah the and- only the only olympic discipline that i don't respect is uh, equestrian dressage because i don't get it and here's what confuses me. The horse is doing all the work. Yeah. The horse should be getting the medal. I feel like it's just like, I don't want to be those. It's not a sport, guys. But I'm struggling to see how it's a sport if the animal is doing all the mm-hmm. work. Like, Because like, if you're going to talk about like horse racing, like the horse is the one that gets... Right. Like you're obviously... The pomp and circumstance with that. Controlling and like guiding the horse. Sure. But like... The, the dressage is weird, too, because they're just, Very like, trotting weird. in place. And yeah. it's like, I, I just, I'm sorry. Again, I try I try and respect 
all the Olympic sports because they're there for a reason, I guess. Um, that's one I struggle with quite a bit because I don't really quite get how it's scored and I don't really quite get how it's considered sport <laughs> or or how yeah. the person on the horse is winning the medal. And maybe we shouldn't be riding horses for sport. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> kind of strange. Um, we do get breakdancing next Olympics, though. I'm looking forward Which to that. Which I think is going to be electric. I, I, I think... I think I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, and I love the tweets that just continue to flow with skateboarding, too, where it's like skateboarding went from a, a criminal offense to an Olympic sport. Good. It's yeah. a cool sport. It's like, so it, fun. The X Games were like one of the things I looked forward to the most as a that kid. That street and, league skating that's always on like right. ESPN2 is always fun. Like, Nigel Houston's one of the best athletes in the world. And he's been that way since he was like 15. Yeah. He's another one that he, just, <laughs> since he's a teenager. He won a lineup. pro-am in Tampa when he was 10. Yeah. So... Good, good for skateboarding being in the line like that. It's good for Tony Hawk too because he's mm-hmm. like, you know, of course he wasn't like competing, you know, but, but he to me, especially our generation, I think was really the guy that encouraged like that kind of activity, that kind of sport. He was everybody's just, idol and has pushed it into like this realm. It's no longer just like criminal. It's no longer just like uh, like street kids doing this. Like no, like something here. Like there's there's uh, there's technical ability to it. There's like an athletic aspect to it, like it's cool. <laughs> like let's let's get kids involved in this because it, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, uh, very excited for the rest of the Olympics and hopefully Team USA's basketball team uh, on the men's side can figure some things out. Got to win finally uh, against Iran, so we'll see if they continue to win. The final bit of uh, just fun news. Speaking of Tony Hawk, did you see the Jackass Forever trailer, Matt? I did. Um talking about our generation it is it's honestly a miracle to me that these guys are still uh in in any physical shape to be doing any uh any jackass related stunts that to me is is what's what's great about this the the one line that got me was steve-o saying you know they say if you get a concussion before you're 50 you're fine and knoxville's 49 so we're good and then it proceeds to show Johnny Knoxville getting absolutely obliterated by a bull and goes airborne. I, I'm excited because they're incorporating a bunch of, you know, celebrities into this. Like Tyler, the creator is going to be in Jackass Forever. Machine Gun Kelly is in it as well. Uh, so it's a lot of, you know, familiar faces, a lot of new people. Eric Andre is in it. Uh, and the one scene from the trailer that got me was uh, Tyler, the creator on the bike riding right into just a brick wall that looked like it was just continuing on his road that was amazing that's the stuff that like gets me every time with the jackass crew so ah god i can't remember his name it was that uh that big like lineman for the vikings this is years ago this was in jackass like two or three when they have him just absolutely spear johnny knoxville i always love when they have like the celebrities on um and uh, Jared Allen. Jared Allen. When they had him just absolutely ripping the Johnny. <laughs> I always love when they have the uh, the like celebrities on, the guest appearances on. They had um, Zach Taylor of the Dolphins uh, yeah. just like there when he didn't do really anything besides like have a beer and laugh what they were doing. But I I do always enjoy when they uh, you know inc- encourage some uh, some some sideline uh, activity. And they have a bunch of guys that are like new jackass people that are like i grew up watching jackass is like my lifelong dream to be in this movie so i'm excited for jackass this is like one of those movies that like when it's when it's out i'm i'm there like you've got me uh so jackass forever if any of the jackass guys want to come on the show 
feel free. Um, but that's all we got for you guys. Again, shout out to our friends at Pickup. Make sure you check out uh, all of our weekly props that we're going to have going up at playpickup.com. This week's obviously which Philly sports team makes trade first. You guys can play on our poll, have a chance to win prizes, all that good stuff at playpickup.com. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on social media at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the network. Matt, we got our first interview on streamer season this week. Executive producer for the new Turner and Hooch series, Mike Horowitz, hopped on for a, a very awesome conversation with me uh, that you guys will hear on Friday on streamer season. Was also an executive producer on Burn Notice and Prison Break. Uh, so very, very fun conversation there with Mike Horowitz. OTB going strong. Premier Lacrosse League is back this weekend out in Colorado. And uh, fantasy football right around the corner, Matt. I'm sure you've added like 20 more best ball leagues. I actually have been off the best ball game a little bit. Uh, I it's recently, in doses. I recently moved and then I went on a short vacation. Uh, so I haven't really had time. And then there were some injuries. Obviously, Cam Akers, Muggle Thomas getting surgery. Uh, and then camp started up this week, so it's like you don't really want to be doing too much just yet. Um, but, yeah, by the next time we talk, I might have done about another six. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep a running I was tally. itching today. I was thinking, like, man, I'd like to do a little, like, mock draft action. <laughs> Maybe a little best ball league, uh, but I didn't really have the time. So uh, so check out fourth and goal for all your fantasy football needs, and we'll check in next week with Matt to see how many best ball leagues he is in by then. And uh, – Thank you to our sponsors who make this podcast possible. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, Stateside Vodka, and Kenwood Beer. Tomahawkshades.com. Use our code USP for 25% off your order at Tomahawkshades.com. Stateside Vodka, use our code USP to get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And our friends at Kenwood Beer, use the Kenny tracker at kenwoodbeer.com to see who has Kenwood Beer on tap. you got to be 21 or older to enjoy an ice-cold Kenny. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 346, another trade wins are a blowing episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. We will catch you guys later this week. Peace. I'm